Hello and welcome to Strata Chat, where you can listen to real stories about real people and all things Strata. Our goal is to help you understand Strata and inspire you to create your own thriving Strata community. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Strata Chat. Today, we're actually speaking with Elias Dusfin and Glenn Webster from Home Integrity. We'll be covering off on a few important issues common defects that you have in strata, the types of defects, whether or not they're different for age and different complexes, a few examples, and what should an owner do if they have or suspect there's some structural or water ingress issues. So good afternoon to you, Elias. How are you today? And Glenn. Thanks for having us. Would you like to introduce yourselves, please? Yes. So my name's Elias. I'm CEO of Home Integrity Building Consultants. And this is my partner here, Glenn Webster. Yes, hey, I'm Glenn. I'm a structural engineer. I've been with Elias for a couple of years now. I've been in the building construction game for about 30 years, chartered structural engineer uh, and a registered builder. So, yeah. Great. I know Strata Buildings quite well. That's what we want to hear. That's what it's all about today. So, gentlemen, what do you believe, you know, and we're, and we're probably seeing it more often these days, what are the most common defects that you come across when you're going to site, looking at buildings, doing building inspections and asked to do even 10-year maintenance reports. What are your thoughts? The majority of issues are around waterproofing and the subsequent issues that follow from waterproofing. So strata buildings are particularly open to issues from waterproofing because issues can come from apartments above as well as from the weather and the, and the roof. So quite often the people above that actually have the defect don't know they've got a defect until the people below tell them that water's coming through. So waterproofing of all shapes and sizes is a major thing in strata properties. Underground parking through to showers, balconies, it's number one by, by quite a distance. And why do you think we're starting to see more of these water ingress issues? Is it because of the type of building that we're building, as in multi-storey, they're built a different way, or is it really because of new technology, as in, you know, over the last probably 12 years, the membranes have changed and the use of the membranes to replace other materials that probably would have been utilised in years before? I think there's a bit of that, but I actually think it's more that consumers are becoming more aware. And these issues have been around for quite some time and people have just put up with it, got it fixed. Whereas now with, I suppose, the growth of building inspections and and companies like ours, uh, people are doing more due diligence on their building and are being proactive in, in fixing things. So I think there's always been these issues, but people are much more aware and, and it's certainly a lot more about it in the press. And builders are being more held to high, higher account. So, yeah, it's, it's out there and people are much more aware. I think these 10-year plans are certainly highlighting more issues because we're able to get greater visibility over the buildings and dive into much more detail than previously because... Previously, these sorts of issues were just getting brought up by a proactive council of owner or, or a resident that had come across the issue. But um, because we're pouring over these buildings in much, much more detail to get these condition reports done as part of these 10-year plans, we're exposing a lot more of these problems. Yeah, and I think what happens is you've hit the nail on the head there, Elias. You know, they might have been just brought up on an individual case basis, but now, you know, you pour over the whole building and you get to see that there's actually... it's 
inherent throughout the whole building, typically, isn't it? So if you've got a balcony issue, you usually have the balcony issue in more on more than one lot. Oh, 100%. We're inspecting areas of buildings that people haven't gone to in years as, as part of uh, you know, the due diligence of, of doing a, a proper thorough condition report on all the covered items. We're uncovering situations that people didn't even, didn't even know about were, were existing and thankfully we're getting to these in time before they become, yeah. Major I issues. I won't use the word catastrophic, but... There's some pretty big issues out there that we, yeah, thankfully have have undercovered. Yeah, mm. that's, I mean that's a huge advantage of the the ten year plans. And a lot of council of owners were, I suppose, reticent at the start and saw the cost side of it. Whereas I was really just thinking about that, the cost. Yeah, strata managers have seen, well, this is going to be good for everybody. So it's starting to come out now that okay. There's going to be some surprises for people, but long term for the strike. They can push through it, they know, because they now know how to deal with it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, years ago people would have balked, turned a blind eye in a lot of instances because of the unknown or the price, or were there suitable contractors around to help them work through, you know, the works that needed to be done on site? You know, there's so many areas relating to those issues and how to resolve it. So obviously we've got water ingress and that can also come from roofs as well or around uh, lifts, lift wells, tops. There's, you know, any anything installed on the roof. Yeah, I mean, any time you put a penetration on the roof, you, you're opening it up to, to issues. Even sitting the air conditioner on the roof, you've got to bolt brackets down. So anything on the roof. But, yeah, certainly... Balconies, showers, plumbing stacks, anything that can spread. Water is very insidious uh, and it will go everywhere. As I said, down to basements. And, you know, if you've got a low water table particularly, the amount of basements that we see, like, and these aren't cheaper apartments either. These are multi-million dollar apartments mm. built by very reputable builders. Yeah, just hasn't hasn't been done correctly. Not enough thought has been put into it. And... Yeah, unfortunately, in many cases, the council owners and, and, and the owners then end up having to try and find recourse. Yeah, and I suppose that's also part of probably a better word than problem. But, you know, people come on the, the strata council, they don't necessarily have the skills, knowledge or capability or experience to be able to deal with those issues. So they're reliant on people like yourselves and, you know, us as strata managers to have that suitable experience so that we can walk from through all the way through to a resolution. Yeah, and in hopefully very simple speak so they they can understand or it can be interpreted from, I suppose, a, a builder's perspective where there's general pushback in a lot of cases through to, you know, being able to explain it in, in layman's terms as to what the issues are to the owners and then having the horsepower behind it to push back to the builders if, if necessary and if, if it's a newer build, of course. Yeah, and when I was speaking with Elias on an earlier podcast, it's a different language that you want to use, he mentioned, with the builder so that it's in a clear and transparent form so that when you're actually presenting to the builder, you're presenting it in such a way that they are more acceptable to what you're presenting and understand the problem easier because you've detailed it in in a language and visuals that they can understand. It's not a motive for Mm. for a start coming from an owner, but it's also transparent in terms of... this is what you got wrong, this is the reasons why, and this is what's going on, and this is why it's going to get worse. And we do get fairly good success in, in newer buildings where we were able to find things out. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. So is there 
different types of defects for different ages or sizes of strata schemes? Do you, do you sort of see patterns, different yeah, patterns? We, we, we do. Newer builds, again, we, we get a lot of waterproofing, even on newer builds. So, so builders are still not doing things that well. So is it the builder or obviously the parties they're contracting out to possibly maybe the supervision and all yeah, of the above that, and the materials and the cost cutting and all, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and we could go on, couldn't all we? All of that comes back to the builder. Yeah, and it so does. All of those things and it does come, come back to the builder. That's yeah, right. Totally. So if the builder hires a not the best waterproofer, the waterproofer uses not the best product. Substandard, import, import yeah. Bits and pieces from China. All of that stuff comes together and what the strata owner ends up with is a substandard product and something that's not fit for purpose. So newer buildings, again, waterproofing is still the number one thing. Older buildings, I mean, an example would be like a three-storey walk-up. You get lots of concrete cancer. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. The concrete cancer is caused by water. Mm. So, so it's a, a, typically a penetration of steel rusting out in the concrete that causes and absorbs. And then, you know, you see those, you're talking about the walk-up strata and they, they, they try and modernise and they might cut out the steel balustrading and they, they leave the ends in and, and there are obviously other areas where the water can penetrate as well, aren't they? And, we, uh, we see that. We yeah. see it a lot. We see a lot of deterioration from wood rot through to... Uh, there's lots of that sort of stuff along the coast. So then you've got the salt attack from the coast. So we see a lot of deterioration in the old uh, properties. Yeah. And villas, what would you tend to see probably in, in villas? And we're probably really talking about the older villas here and materials. It's very, very similar to, to individual housing. Mm. So a lot of villas, it, it's more age deterioration. Builders can't get that much wrong. I mean, touch wood. They can't get that much wrong with single-storey villas. No, and as we talk about the water transitioning from the upper levels, if it's a single-storey villa, the only place that the water is actually going to move to is the ground, isn't it, really? It's not really going to affect anything else. Unless it goes through your lounge room, of course, and... Yeah. Unless it goes through the lounge. Yeah. You've probably just got things like as as the villas age, you know, porous tiles, the, the roof tiles start to become more porous, don't and they? And they, Yeah, and heavy and issues throughout yeah. winter and mould and damp and things like that, don't you? Correct. So, and we're sort of, we've been, with our language, we're sort of discussing here, I suppose, a bit of maintenance and also a bit of defects. So we're sort of just crossing over the two. But what do you believe, or Elias, what do you believe, either of you that an owner should do if they have or suspect there are some structural issues or water ingress issues on their site? Oh, without question, it's, it's all about getting a consultant in that can not only you know, identify clearly what the problem is and why it's occurred, but most importantly provide a solution that's going to be able to rectify that, that issue so it's long-lasting. We provide a service that is unbiased. We don't offer remedial works advice. So you know the advice that we're going to give is good and we're not, we're not aligned to any, any contract or any type of system. We just want to provide what is best for the complex. So being able to, to, to scope out the issue properly and give that document to someone to provide some quotes, I, I think is the best place to start. And certainly, if it, if it is a structural problem, you really need to call in the in the heavyweights, the structural engineers. Obviously, we've got 
Glenn, our structural, resident structural engineer and director here at Home Integrity. So yeah, Glenn does get involved in that type of work. And it's a, yeah, it's a huge, huge asset to, to have Glenn on the team to be able to diagnose those problems and, and come out with the knowledge and the skills that are required to diagnose those sort of technical problems because, mm. because they are quite technical, Liz, and they do get quite complex. I, I'm a registered builder, but yeah, quite often, you know, I come across structural defects. I, I think I've got it right, but you know, Glenn will alert me to some areas that I hadn't quite considered. So yeah, extremely valuable. No, I could see how the benefit of having the two areas when analysing the, the side or the report and then presenting that back to the owners. So in reality, and obviously owners, if they've got any concerns, probably take a few photos, uh, notify their strata manager or, you know, the strata company. The strata company then has is best to then review it in such a way to say, hey, look, do we think this might be happening on any of the other lots? Because typically... If it's occurring on one lot, it's either has happened on another lot in the past or it's about to be raised as an issue in the future. So holistic approach, which like you say, the 10-year report will also cover off on. Yeah. I suppose people can be balked by the word consultant, but in reality what the consultant does is you would look at the property on a whole and you would provide professional advice, isn't that correct? Oh, because we do so many of these, Liz, we do have certain inspection types that do suit these types of environments. So it's not a, you know, just go in and spend all day there and what it costs, it costs. It's, you know, we're, we're very honed in on the, using the right equipment. We've got technical type of instruments that we use. We've got special techniques that we use to diagnose problems uh, correctly. The report writing is very detailed so yeah we're, we're able to to get things done very very efficiently and and that's actually interesting because you know we talk the diagnostic tools and and we've seen being managers of property you know some people may not have the diagnostic tools but what that actually does is that actually accelerates you to an outcome doesn't it because you're able to take the reading say if it was a hydro hydrometer or something like that you take the readings immediately on site and have proper data rather than watching the area over a few weeks to get to the same outcome. Oh, and Liz, it might be a combination of both, to be honest. It oh, okay. Might be, it might be a, a moisture meter, it might be a thermal camera, or it might be good old-fashioned pond testing or, or, or plug testing. So it might be a combination of a few different things. Sometimes, especially with water ingress issues, they don't present in areas that are apparent. So what you might think is rising damp may be lateral damp. What you think is lateral damp might be falling damp. So it's really important to go through a number of uh, forensic checks to, to ensure that a confirmation bias isn't, isn't taken up and we explore all the, all the different pathways that are available. Yeah, I think that's fairly critical. What do you think, Glenn? Uh, yeah, definitely. You look at where it drips and, and where it's coming from can be completely the other side of the building to where it's dripping down. So, yeah, there can be trial and error. Mm. It, 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 it can be very difficult. In, in most cases, you, you've got a swimming pool above your head and it's dripping into the, into the carport below. It's either the swimming It should pool, be fairly it's obvious. Or... It's piping around <laughs> it, it's the piping. But depending on how the place was built, there sometimes can be hidden little areas within the structure. So where that water actually comes from, is it the skimmer box end or is it the piping at the other end? Yeah, the return, yeah. You've, you've got to know your stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, just getting a general builder off the street, it's not. You've it, got to know your stuff. You've got to be able to think laterally and 
because the high the high cost can be on making a very quick decision, expediting works based on what you believed was the problem at the time, only to find out that that didn't solve the problem, and then to turn a different not saying yourselves, but mm. you, you know these these can occur on site, oh, and so that's why obviously the analysis and the critical initial stage is so important. Just, um, I know that there's, before we go, because we're sort of running into time, but just run me through for the purpose of the general public, shower, uh, floors and runoff. And I've heard that over the years that water sitting on a shower floor, tiles, uh, the water can actually, pet pools can actually soak through the tiles in the grout because that is not a fully sealed area, even though people believe that it is, and that actually can cause leakage as well. Can you sort well, of... It definitely, it definitely can. The, the tile grout isn't actually meant to be the waterproofing. It's supposed to have the membrane underneath. So So the membrane's the waterproofing, the and what's the tile grout do? Is it aesthetic? The tile, it's both, but it's not... It's not impervious. The, the yeah, it's yeah. not impervious. There, there is new products around where they're using a, a epoxy grout, and there's people around that are guaranteeing that. Um, but in a you know a large strata complex, it's got to be waterproofed correctly mm. um, above the screed, below the screed. It's it. There's a few processes that have got to have been done mm. correctly, and we find it very often that it's not. And yeah, as I, as I said before, it's the people below that sometimes will suffer because your shower is fine, working well, but the people below you... And they go, no, yeah, look, I didn't clean out the little tiny bit of hair in the drain hole and, you know, that is blocking a bit of the water and there, there is a little bit of water around the drain hole. It can't be that, but we all know that it can be that. And it's the same on the balconies, isn't it? Those few little leaves that are sitting around the drain hole on the balcony drain that can actually holding a little pool of water can also cause major issues to the poor people below mold and lots of other problems yeah, yeah. you see mold in buildings or, or units below quite regularly yeah deterioration of, of balcony waterproofing uh, tiles grout uh, we see a lot rooftop uh, decks we see and you see oh, eff- yeah, efflorescence very... around the tiles mm. we basically that's evidence that the water is seeping through the grout mm. and then it dries out and bubbles through and that's where the efflorescence comes from. And if that's not dealt with, that's when you end up with a concrete cancer later on down the track, isn't uh, it? If, yeah, if, if, typically. If that's in a, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely can. can. Definitely yeah. can, yeah. Yeah. Because so there's all these little tiny signals. You like So you, people need to look at their buildings like they're speaking to them all the time, you know, the little tiny bubbles or, oh, no, that's nothing, but... You know, they're all little signals, aren't they? And um, that's why the 10-year plans do give you time frames to, mm. to, to carry works out. Mm. And, you know, if you do get a, an older, like a walk-up we talked about before, yes, it, it might have some concrete cancer spots that do need to be fixed, but as important is sealing all those walkways because if you don't, you're going to have another half a dozen concrete cancer spots next year and the year after and the year after. And then... It can get really bad after that. Mm. So you don't see it very often. It just steps you out. I think, you know, people tend to forget. They don't look at really sometimes when they're costing out their tenure plans, they don't look at the fact that, you know, that's you divide that by how many lots pretty well on your property to sort of get a bit of an idea. And if you had a standalone home, you know, what would you be paying to get these reports per you know, on a regular basis or repairs? Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else? Great chat today. Anything else that you'd like to add? Before we go? 
pitch that there's a resource that we'd like to offer all your listeners and that's a annual it's an annual general maintenance schedule i think it's a you know one thing that i've noticed having been an expert witness at many sat hearings is builder brings up a, a fairly valid case around waterproofing issues and that's that the mastic joints grout joints tiles haven't been maintained adequately buildings are like cars they, they need to be maintained and um, i think you'll find that annual general maintenance uh, schedule that we've put together is going to be really, really helpful for yeah. um, all of your listeners just to carry out those basics. Mm, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. You're welcome. Yeah. And yeah, we'll actually put your contact details and a few bits and pieces. And obviously we've got episode one and two people can listen to. And thank you very much for your time today, gentlemen. Right. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Thanks.